welcome to Season 2 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 52 is entitled, Conditions of the Law of Mercy. We know that natural laws have conditions. We call it the principle of causality. For every cause there is an effect, and for every effect there is a cause. All science is based upon the principle of causality. Because of those conditions we have freedom. For example, from those conditions come all our inventions. Because natural laws have conditions, we can discover causes of diseases. We can fly airplanes. We can explore the depths of the seas. We can predict the weather. We understand the law of the harvest. Life is manageable only because we have predictability. Everyone is familiar with the laws of nature. I would like to present three laws that are necessary for creation. Number one, one of the greatest truths we can learn on this earth is this. Everything is governed by law, whether temporal or spiritual, whether laws of mortality or laws of immortality. Creation is never by accident. There is no accidental universe. Everything depends upon that essential truth. True religion, as with true science, follows that principle. Number two, another of the greatest truths we can learn is that because the above statement is true, it naturally follows that all laws are governed by a single law or single set of laws and operate under one great totality. Number three, the third and final truth we must learn is that the controlling law must be unconditional or the center would not hold, chaos would take over. Those three conditions above are necessary for life as we know it. Without it, there would be nothing rather than something. There would be no creation. The earth couldn't exist. We couldn't exist. God himself couldn't exist. Both science and religion, to be true, must stay under those three laws, or life is a fantasy. If the above is true, then another inescapable truth must follow. It is this. All things are created by intelligent design through law. To Christians and many other religious peoples, that intelligent designer is God. To scientists who do not accept God, that intelligent designer is chance, or accident, or serendipity of circumstances. Even they must reluctantly admit that creation has the appearance of intelligent design. It is ironic that the entire purpose of science is to discover the intelligent design of nature while at the same time denying the intelligent design of nature. Such is the power of the tyranny of paradigm. Paradigms are often logical constructs of biased observers. Once created, a paradigm becomes a tyrant that controls all thinking. Nothing is more destructive to sound arguments than elegant paradigms based on false assumptions. No matter how impeccable and logical the structure, the foundation will always be unstable thus making the entire structure unstable. Natural laws govern natural worlds. Spiritual laws govern spiritual worlds. That creates one of the greatest paradoxes of all, because we have an immortal spirit subject to spiritual laws, and immortal body subject to natural laws. The source of all life is spiritual. Without the spirit, the body would have no life at all. The body grows old and dies. The spirit never grows old and never dies. That leads to even another inescapable truth. There must be a complete set of laws, 
that govern the spiritual realm, and there must be a complete set of laws that govern the temporal realm. Science teaches the laws that govern the temporal realm. Religion teaches the laws that govern the spiritual realm. When the body dies, temporal laws cause the physical body to melt back into the earth. Temporal laws are confined to temporal worlds. Spiritual laws, however, operate both in the temporal world and in the spiritual world. Every living thing has a spirit, even the earth. When our spirit leaves our mortal body, our spirit is no longer confined to the entropy of temporal laws. In this world, we learn by analogy. An analogy is a comparison between two different things that have similar characteristics. False analogy occurs when we carry an analogy too far. For example, man has much in common with a machine, and man has much in common with an animal. Examining the similarities is helpful. False analogy occurs when science claims that because we are like animals in some way and machines in some ways, we are like animals and machines in all ways. For example, machines do not have free will, therefore man does not have free will. Animals are governed by the law of the jungle, therefore man is governed by the law of the jungle. Our physical bodies are like machines, but we are not machines. The natural man is like animal, but we are not animals. We are children of God, created in the image of God. We have free will because of our superior intelligence, which is independent of the body. Our intelligence, though facilitated by the brain, is not in the brain. It is in the spirit. It is as immortal as the spirit. In fact, it could be said that free will is in concomitant variation to the intelligence of the spirit. All living things have some freedom, be it ever so primitive, However, men and women, who are the highest intelligences on earth, have greater free will than all other living things. Those who deny that man has an immortal spirit fall quickly into the false analogy of man as machine or man as animal, thus denying free will. Let me here say that mankind is the greatest proof that temporal laws and spiritual laws work together in harmony. The body without the spirit is dead. The spirit without the body cannot have the joys of procreation, the joys of physical love, the joys of keeping the commandments of God, the joys of mortality that are the direct results of the physical body. That is why Christ brought about the resurrection. He did not intend for those righteous joys to end. He wants them to endure in eternity. A resurrected body is as immortal as the spirit, and the body and the spirit will never be separated again. Without God, we would not have an immortal spirit in the image of God, and without God, we would not have a physical body after the likeness of God. We can only assume that we look like God and that God looks like us. The difference being, of course, is that He is glorified and immortal, omniscient and omnipotent, and that He shines like the sun. In this dark world, we live on borrowed light. We live by the light of the sun and by the light of Christ, which are conditional. God is governed by higher laws. Earth is a probationary state. It is a preparation to see if we are worthy to live forever in God's presence. But there is another analogy that is of great importance in mortality. It is this. Just as the temporal laws that govern our life on earth are conditional, spiritual laws that govern our life on earth are conditional. Temporal laws give us freedom. Spiritual laws give us agency. The law of justice is the unconditional law of God that governs all laws. It cannot be compromised. 
or everything would fall apart. It is absolute in its nature, comprehensive in its power, and perfect in all aspects of its operation. All other laws of all creation, whether temporal or spiritual, are conditional because they are governed by the law of justice and must meet the conditions imposed by the law of justice. This earth is governed by the laws of nature. It is a product of the fall of man. Death entered into the world when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit. The laws of our world are conditional because of the law of justice. It is the law of justice that places the conditions upon the law of nature. There is no entropy in the kingdom of God, which means there is no death. There is only immortality and eternal life. All laws are governed by God, who is unchangeable. On earth, everything moves toward death. The meaning of entropy is that things move from order to disorder. Things must be constantly recreated. The earth is finite. All living things must sacrifice their life so that new life can exist. Fluidity is the price of a fallen world. One thing flows into another. One of the laws of our world, as we also painfully know, is that nature cannot reverse itself. It cannot resurrect itself. It can, however, duplicate itself by reproducing new life, which is the mirror image of the old. But each new life is unique to itself. Variety is evident everywhere. No two leaves on a tree are alike. But death is the end of everything. Earth cannot move from disorder to order. In addition, death has two curses. One is the separation of the body from the spirit, and no earthly law can reverse that process. Two, the spirit is separated from God. These are both conditions of the law of justice, and no earthly law can reverse that process. Entropy is irreversible in a world governed only by natural law. All that lives must die. This earth is also governed by the law of mercy. The law of mercy is the most unique law of the universe. It is also the strangest law of the universe. Except for the sacrifice of one man, the law of mercy could never have happened. All other laws are laws of creation and destruction. The law of mercy is the only law of salvation, exaltation, immortality, and eternal life. The entire purpose of the law of mercy is to satisfy the conditions of the law of justice so that we are not condemned forever by the law of justice. There is no part of the law of mercy that condemns you. It is justice alone that condemns you. We are condemned simply by living in a fallen world. The law of mercy also creates one of the greatest paradoxes of creation. Only because of the law of mercy is justice able to allow us back into the presence of God and still remain just. Here is another paradox. If there were no law of justice, there would be no conditions to the law of mercy. Without justice, the law of mercy would save you no matter what you did. No one is more misunderstood than Christ, unless, of course, it is God the Father. Justice is a requirement for the existence of God, but mercy isn't. Mercy is a gift. Only mankind, not God, needs mercy. If there were no law of justice, God would not exist, but neither would you and neither would creation. Without justice, there would be nothing, for without justice, there would be no law. And it is by law that all things are created, governed, protected, preserved, sanctified, and perfected. To me, the greatest paradox in the universe is how God is able to be both just and merciful. It is the law of justice that places conditions on the law of mercy. We call those conditions commandments. 
Perhaps we could understand them better if we saw them for what they are. They are absolute laws necessary for our salvation. God cannot repeal the law of justice, but he can withdraw the law of mercy. Mercy is a free gift of God, a debt we can never repay. Even God cannot rescind justice, but God can rescind mercy. God has to be just, or he would cease to be God, but he does not have to be merciful. That is the gift of God to man explained so eloquently by John. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 3, 16-17 Notice the phrase, might be saved. That means salvation is conditional, based on our obedience to law. Otherwise, agency could not be preserved, and justice could not be maintained. God will not rob justice, and he will not take away our agency. But of course, a phrase that we should not overlook is the one just prior. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. Two things were products of the fall, temporal death and spiritual death. Because of justice, there was no way back. Only the law of mercy made it possible. No one who criticizes Christ understands the true mission of Christ. Everything he did was for our salvation. If Christ had not lived the law of justice perfectly, he could not have been our Savior. Here is a universal truth necessary for all Christians to fully understand. Christ only wants to save you. Only two things prevent him from imposing salvation upon you. One is your agency, and the other is the conditions placed upon him by the law of justice. Without the conditions placed by the law of justice, you would not have agency or free will. You get to choose which conditions you want to obey. However, as with the laws of nature, there is a cause and an effect. Only conditions offer choices. The conditions you obey determine the rewards you receive. In other words, obedience to law brings freedom and disobedience to law brings captivity. Every time you make a choice, you become your own judge whether to do good or to do evil. What would happen if mercy, often thought of as the grace of Christ, were unconditional and had no boundaries? That would mean that everyone on this earth, saints and sinners, terrorists, murderers, tyrants, liars, thieves, adulterers, abusers, torturers, serial killers, mobsters, rapists, looters, assassins, etc., would all be saved unconditionally. No matter what one did in this life, if the law of mercy were without conditions established by the law of justice, then one would still be saved. It is true that some would be good no matter what. All of us know and perhaps envy such people. But if one could do anything, good or evil, and be saved unconditionally, then most, like incorrigible anonymous, would say, hi-ho, go with the flow. If that were the case, then besides the earthly benefits of a peaceful society, what would be the value of doing good? If mercy were unconditional, then the Holy Bible is merely a social program a book of ethics, a manual for mortality, nothing more. All prophets and apostles, all scripture, all churches, all sermons, all charities, all sacrifices would be a temporary mortal matter only, of no more consequence than any other how-to program. Death would wipe out all wrongs, all sins, and all horrors. Those who got away with murder on earth would go unpunished and get away with murder in heaven. 
No evil would be punished, no good rewarded. All peoples of the earth, martyrs, saints, and serial killers, would gather together in paradise as if life on earth meant nothing. Happiness on earth would belong to the clever rather than to the good. Religions would be merely philosophical gatherings of those who shared similar earthly ethics. Ultimately, all right and wrong would be erased as merely an earthly inconvenience to torment men. Conscience would have been nothing more than a nuisance to torment those who tried to do good. If mercy has no conditions, then conscience is a curse. Sacrifice, charity, suffering, repentance, remorse, forgiveness, patience, long-suffering, obedience, offer nothing, except to make it easier for evil people to prosper. Those who grew rich from their crimes, robbery, theft, extortion, murder, torture, etc., would enjoy the luxury of this life and the joy of life everlasting. All the commandments of God would be for nothing. People would find happiness in sin. However, that is not the case. Because of the conditions placed on the law of mercy, by the law of justice, we are held accountable for our choices. Otherwise, God would be a liar. The purpose of Christianity is not to make people feel good about themselves. The purpose of Christianity is to make people good, and by being good, they will feel better about themselves. What are the conditions placed on the law of mercy? The teachings of Christ, which are the conditions of the law of mercy imposed by justice, required hundreds of pages of Scripture. Therefore, they can all be listed here, but they can be summarized because Christ himself provided the summary for us. Let's begin with the two great commandments. Linda, please read Matthew 22. 36 through 39. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Clearly, if we could live the two great commandments perfectly, we wouldn't need any other commandments. The purpose of the other commandments is to analyze and explain the two great commandments. The two great commandments, for example, are a synopsis of the Ten Commandments. The first five commandments deal with loving the Lord. Please read Exodus 12, 1-11. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. The last five commandments deal with loving thy neighbor. 
Please read Exodus 20, 12 through 17. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. The next greatest summary, of course, would be the greatest sermon ever given, the Sermon on the Mount. Linda, please turn to Matthew 5 and read verses 1 through 19. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men do revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of man. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on an hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these great commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. The other conditions of the law of mercy or commandments of God can be found in the writings of the true apostles and prophets of the Lord, recorded down through the ages. All the commandments are conditions imposed by the law of justice upon the law of mercy, made possible only by the atoning sacrifice of the only begotten Son of God, even Jesus Christ, the Savior and Redeemer of the world. Ron, let me share a famous passage of scripture with you from Revelation 21. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. 
and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Some would say that if God were a God of mercy, it is not fair that anyone would be barred from entering in the temple. Justice prevents them from entering into the temple where God in Christ dwell in eternal felicity, and justice isn't fair. Justice is absolute and unconditional. Only the law of mercy is fair. However, the law of mercy is restricted by the conditions placed on mercy by the law of justice and the principle of agency. The greatest condition of the law of mercy is repentance. We are all sinners, and mercy cannot save us in our sins. However, because mercy can save us from our sins, we can leave the sinful state. We can repent of our sins by calling upon Christ and forsaking them. That gift, which is a lifetime guarantee, places us inside the boundaries of the law of mercy. Think of it as an arm wrestle between the law of justice and the law of mercy. The law of justice sets boundaries around the law of mercy. Justice claims anyone who is outside those boundaries. However, justice is not allowed inside the boundaries of the law of mercy. Inside the boundaries of the law of mercy, mercy overpowers justice, so that justice cannot claim anyone who obeys the conditions of the law placed on mercy. Justice is powerless inside the boundaries of mercy because Christ paid for those sins with his own blood. He satisfied the law of justice. The debt is paid in full, giving justice no power. Christ suffered for our sins in a manner incomprehensible and unspeakable, causing him to bleed at every pore thus giving him the power of salvation. Everyone who is outside the boundaries of the law of mercy are there by choice. If they know the law and choose to disobey the law, they must pay the penalty themselves. On the other hand, those who do not know the law are not bound by the law. For example, little children and those who were not given the law will be exempt, for they fall under the atonement. Only those who are willfully disobedient fall under the claim of justice. The greatest lesson we can learn in this life is this. There is safety only within the boundaries of the law of mercy. There is peace only within the boundaries of the law of mercy. There is joy in this life and eternal life in the next only within the boundaries of the law of mercy. There is freedom only within the boundaries of the law of mercy. Linda, please end this podcast by reading Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.